glad you could join us for episode 149 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we take a quick break from our analysis of James Cameron's cyberpunk thriller, Dark Angel, starring Jessica Alba, Michael Weatherly, and Ashley Scott. Because tonight we're here to discuss the pilot episode of Sci-Fi's new supernatural drama, Winona Earp. But before we get to that, Wayne and I want to remind you, we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. You can record your own audio clip, send the MP3 as an attachment, or just send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch. And we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. So, uh, busy as usual, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Same old, same old, but lacrosse season around here. Just like, I guess, not much over the hockey season, but more kids involved, so more uh, juggling of children and schedules and car rides and things like that. So, hey, I'm, I'm waiting for your return to the field hockey field, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, the sign-ups are, I just got the email today, sign-ups are, are, are ready to go. Sounds good. You coaching yeah. again? Yeah, I don't right. have anyone else to do it. <laughs> yeah, funny, I hear you. Know, so, like, everywhere else in the world, uh, both – males and females play field hockey um and last summer we had uh, some guests over here from germany and it was a, a brother and sister and they both played and so they were out playing with my daughters which is awesome because they were really good and then they, they found out i was the coach i'm like yeah i really never played the sport and they looked at me like then how are you the coach <laughs> like they just couldn't fathom that like you never played it how on earth are you coaching it you know it's i guess they have a lot more field hockey players in germany well, you know what? When I was in high school, many years ago, uh, we actually played in phys ed class. Yeah, I did too. Because I remember, like, it was and, just like like ten broken sticks every day. Well, my thing was I was always late getting out there, and I never got a pair of shin guards because they always went fast. So, oh, you got shin? We we just got a stick in the ball, and they're like, "Go!" No, ahead. no, we. Yeah, well, I got beaten up pretty badly, but it was a lot of fun. And Ed, look, I mean, you, I, I, I'm sure. If we have any listeners for any of these sports, they're going to be uh, very upset when I say that field hockey, soccer, lacrosse, basketball, I mean, the concepts are all the same, right? Spacing and move without the ball. Yeah. Yeah. So if you know one, I mean, I know the nuances right. of any sport, right. but, but, you know. Yeah, especially at the, like the, the little kids, and you know this, that you, know, you sure. get a kid who's an athlete you can teach them to play just about any sport there is, you know, like, which is exactly what people tuning in to sci-fi TV rewatch want to hear about. Right. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you never, you never know. <laughs> right. All right. Well, I'm going to guess that they want to hear about sci-fi. Probably. So we'll do a little bit of sci-fi news and then we'll, sci-fi pick, news. Up, That's like we'll pick up with another project X five from Wayne. Nice. All right. See what, see what I yeah, did there? I like that. All right. All right. Well, listen, April is showering us with four returning and one new genre show. We've got Outlander coming back Saturday, April 9th for its second season on Stars, And I'm watching that. And, and I like it a lot. It's borderline genre. I mean, it is time travel, but that's not a big aspect of it. Although it, it does focus a lot on the fact that Claire can't give too much away because you know they don't like her as it is because she's uh, English. Hunters debuts on Monday, April 11th on Sci-Fi, and the network describes it as follows. A cross between gritty crime drama and a sci-fi thriller, Hunters comes from executive producers Gail Ann Hurd, The Walking Dead, Terminator Trilogy, <laughs> and Natalie Shadez, 12 Monkeys and Heroes. It's inspired by Whitley Strieber's best-selling novel, Alien Hunter, and the show is about the disappearance of a decorated FBI agent's wife, which leads him to a secret government unit assembled to hunt a group of ruthless terrorists called Hunters who do not come from this world. Um, I don't know. You know, it, it sounds good, but, you know, I just, like I said, I, I feel like uh, Buck Showalter now, you know? Like, I gotta, I can only keep so many guys in the roster. And uh, the, right now the roster is full, and so. Yep, you can't play everybody. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, we got Orphan Black returning Thursday, April 14th, uh, season four on BBC <laughs> I didn't mean America. To grow, like, I don't like Orphan Black. I'm just like, oh, I'm going to have to watch that too. 
I know. <laughs> uh, 12 Monkeys comes back Monday, April 18th for its second season on Sci-Fi. And Michael R. and Corey Metcalf's 12 Monkeys Uncaged on Golden Spiral Media is a great podcast. And if you're watching 12 Monkeys, check them out. And then finally, Sunday, April 24th, season six, Game of Thrones returns to yes. HBO. So yeah, looking forward to that. Have you seen the Although, trailers? I have not. Boss. Although we really have uh, our Game of Thrones for all intents and purposes in the hundred right now. Yeah, no kidding. Well, so. I mean, you just see, like, I, mean, I think we were talking about this at lunch the other day, like, like Game of Thrones is really, well, and I guess The Walking Dead too. Those two shows really have been very, very influential, um, especially on a show like The Hundred that now we see for the second week in a row. Well, not second week in a row, but the second in a short amount of time that a major character gets killed off, and it looks like it's happened on The Walking Dead that we don't know who. So you know, just if, if nothing else, that whereas before you used to say. Well, that person's like you know a main character in this show, so they're safe. Well, not so much, right? And I suppose with Game of Thrones, you could argue that it's based on the novels, and I would assume that these characters die in the novels. Sure. But but when you look at a, the the broader scope, I wonder how much of it has to do with the fact that we've got so many series that have gone to the thirteen episode, in some cases even ten episode season, which allows for an actor to have his or her character killed off. And they still are working. Right. And, in, and in many cases, like Ricky Whittle from The 100, he's... Spoilers. Well, he's moving on to another show. And, of course, if, well, if, he's like all, for me, I'm like, uh, who's, who's that? I know. <laughs> I know. Okay. Uh, you did your Mia Culpa last yeah. week. But I still like, like when you said that, I mean, like, I know who died because I saw the episode. But like, if you, if I hadn't seen it yet, I would still be spoiler free because I'd be like, I don't know who Ricky Whittle plays. Right, because he's going to be in American Gods and, and basically have the lead role right, in that right, show. Right. All right. Well, anyway, uh, April looks like it's really good, and and May won't be far behind with most of our fall seasons winding down, and then there'll be that little lull before we get to the summer shows in June and July. Yeah. But before we get to this episode discussion of Winona Earp, hit us up with your Project X for this week. Okay, Project X, because people have been clamoring for it for so long. I finally figured I'd throw one out at you. We're going to talk a little bit about Wyatt Earp, the man, the myth, the legend. So we know the myth, right? That he was like, well, because the myth is just what they say in the show, like the greatest gunslinger in the West and everything. And, uh, you know, the truth was there was, you know, about 30 seconds of his life kind of made his life, right? That, that we now know is a gunfight at the OK Corral, which really wasn't at the OK Corral at all. It was like a hundred couple, like a block away from the OK Corral. And it was just a 30 second shootout that left three of these, these guys, the Cowboys dead and him on like, basically there were like six people involved. Three of them died who were the quote unquote baddies. Um, though I guess, you know, maybe people who are descendants of these guys might argue that point. Doc Holliday was wounded. Uh, Virgil Earp, was wounded and Wyatt Earp came out without a scratch. And that's, I think really the thing that kind of maybe built this legend of him is that they're in this close quarters gunfight and he didn't even get nicked. This is actually, I found this, I'll, I'll say it. I got this from Wikipedia, this quote, but I thought it was a good one. I guess, was it after, I think in like the 1930s or something, there was a uh, biography published about Wyatt Earp and all of a sudden it said Earp had a dubious reputation as a sometime Western lawman gunfighter who'd been arrested nine times and left more than one town with warrants for his arrest still outstanding. In modern times, Wyatt Earp has become synonymous with the stereotypical image of the Western lawman and is a symbol of American frontier justice. Which is kind of like, which I guess has happened with like a lot of guys, you know, like especially once movies started being made. Guys like Billy the Kid and Wyatt Earp and uh, Jesse James and even um, Butch and Sundance, right? Like they move from being like criminals or to being heroes or people we laud. Well, sure. Um, and it's like you said last week, a lot of our uh, knowledge and at least what we believe to be true about these people 
comes from movies and to a lesser extent TV shows. So, and like you said, because so many of these lawmen were all, almost the anti-hero type, but that's, I guess, what it took sure. to keep things in order out in the Wild West. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't be a choir boy out no. there. No. And, and so the, you know, the, the line between the lawman and the criminal often, I think, gets kind of blurred in the historical version of, of the American West. So a couple things. All right, so obviously, I, I can't remember the guy's who were revenants in in the TV show, um, but we, I don't. So if if I yell out any of those names, let me know. So we got the the big feud was between these guys. Like they called themselves the Cowboys, and and you know now like cowboy is like this term for the you know the American ideal, the guy out on the horse and the range, all by himself handling the elements. But at the time it's basically like a gang, you know, like a gang of criminals. And there were these guys, uh, Ike, Billy Clinton, Tom and Frank McClary, Billy Claiborne. Uh, these are all these are the guys that kind of went up against at the OK Corral. Billy Clinton and Tom and Frank McClary are the ones who were killed. Now, were there any of those guys? Were any of those guys? I, I don't and, think so. I don't recall any of those names now. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't either. So those are the guys that were killed at the OK Corral. So because of that, like the Cowboys and actually uh, the one guy, Ike Clinton, actually uh, officially filed charges of murder against Wyatt Earp uh, for that. And he, the judge threw that case out. And so the Cowboys kind of took revenge. And uh, this is like, um, did you ever see the movie Tombstone? Sure. Yeah. So this is where Tombstone just gets like awesome, right? Well, it's not awesome that Virgil gets shot again and morgan earp the other brother gets uh, assassinated but then there's this whole revenge thing that goes in where doc holiday and uh wyatt earp get a couple other buddies they form this posse and they go around just hunting down the uh the cowboys and you know i always thought that was like like seriously you know dramatized in tombstone but after reading about it, i'm like you know that they kind of nailed it in tombstone <laughs> It seems like because they went and in revenge for the killing of Morgan, they got another four of the cowboys they killed. Frank Stillwell, Curly Bill, which uh, remember was uh, Powers Booth played Curly Bill in in, uh, Tombstone. He's pretty uh, badass in that role. He's badass in Uh, every role he plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's particularly badass, I thought, as uh, as Curly Bill. Indian Charlie and and Johnny Barnes and everything. So, So again, names I assume are going to pop up later as revenants, right? Yeah. So I just, you know, just a little kind of breakdown there of, of what happened. You know, like he, you know, Wyatt Earp was a complex man. And I think, you know, I guess, I, I don't really remember the Kevin Costner movie that well, but I just remember watching it and being like, oh, I don't really like this movie because I don't think they portrayed Wyatt Earp as the, you know, flat out hero, Right. Like, whereas Tombstone, Kurt Russell played Wyatt Earp, and he was just, like, just heroic guy getting revenge for his brothers, right? Could do no wrong. You know, I think maybe that the... I don't, I don't really remember it very well, but I think the uh, the Kevin Costner version kind of disturbed me a little bit because they portrayed him more as this ambiguous kind of guy that he was. A guy who's not necessarily 100% good. He was kind of maybe shady in some areas. Um, moved around a lot, you know, but ended up uh, being a pretty prosperous guy. Owned a bunch of you know, taverns and stuff and like to gamble, like to have a good time. Uh, got married three times and everything. But the one thing, cause in the, in the show, Doc Holliday says that Wyatt Earp killed him, right? Well, if you think that was Doc Holliday. Yeah, of course. Okay. It's Doc I mean, I think it is, but yeah. So, um, yeah, because he, he helped out. Like, yeah. right. Like that was, they always had this, you know, it seems like they had kind of a, you know, it, it was like obviously they were good friends for a little bit, and Doc Holliday was totally on board with the revenge killing of all the cowboys. But, um, but I guess they fell out later. Uh, but Doc Holliday died of tuberculosis, right? You know, so I, either he was speaking metaphorically there, or the show is going to kind of uh, twist with history a little bit, which is crazy. I know that a show that has you know revenants of wide herbs victims coming back to try and take down his great granddaughter but or great great granddaughter i guess i should say that that the show wouldn't be 100 percent accurate probably is not necessarily 100 percent surprising so i think that's that's it pretty much all right good history lesson 
Yeah. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, why don't we get into the episode? Episode one, written by Emily Andres, who obviously we, we know as a show. And she, she wrote, what, she, that name sounds so yeah. familiar. <laughs> well, showrunner with Lost Girl, wrote 13 episodes of Lost Girl, mostly key episodes, either a season premiere, season finale. She also wrote two of Killjoys, directed by Paulo Barsman, another familiar name, who directed 12 episodes of Lost Girl. 12 did Paulo do this one? 12 of Being Human. Yeah, he directed this one. Nice. Two Killjoys, one Dark Matter. And this aired April 1st, 2016 at 10 p.m. on Sci-Fi. So season one set up for 13 episodes. As we said, Emily Andres is going to be the showrunner. And it's based on a graphic novel by Bo Smith. Characters' origins in the comics beginning around 1994. And I guess what happened was after Lost Girl ended... Andres was approached by IDW, which owns the rights to Winona Earp, so that she could bring the story to the small screen. And her pitch, I got, I love this. She pitched it as Frozen meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> okay. Now, I haven't seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer more than, uh, other than just the pilot, and I've really not seen Frozen. I only have that awful song re- well, ringing I through my head. I can help you out there, dude, because yeah. I've seen Frozen about 10,000 times. I would think so. Now... Co-executive producers, Alexandra Zeroni and Paulo Barsman. Yeah. I know. Wow, we know all these names. And yeah. editor, Michael Doherty, who we know from Dark Angel. So, wow. They got the team together. They did. All right. Winona Earp, played by Melanie Scrifano, who had a recurring role in The Listener, 2012 to 2014. I don't really know that show. And no. currently... In Damien, which is a show based on The Omen, which is appearing on A&E, and she plays Veronica Silvaggio, and that show is still going. Shamir Anderson plays Agent Dolls. He was in The Next Step, 2013 to 2014, and I think that's some kind of dance show or something. Uh, Four episodes of Defiance, and he appeared in Season 2, Episode 16 of Lost Girl, School's Out. And then lastly, Waverly Earp, played by Dominique Provost Chalkley, she played Zrinka in Age of Ultron. So, Zrinka. Yeah, I don't remember that character either. But uh, <laughs> I'll look for it now, though. But she's a little older than she appears in her role, but uh, she doesn't have all that many credits. So the Age of Ultron role was, was, I don't know if it's what got her the part here, but it's certainly the only one that I recognize. A couple of things. I like the way they used the flashbacks in filling in the ERP backstory. I, I, I thought they did that real effectively, and they did it right away when we see you know, the family under siege when, when the girls are young and they're being attacked. At this point, we don't know who's doing the attacking. Do we not? Well, I mean, we don't know that they're revenants. We just know that they're bad guys. I think even one of the girls says, uh, keep the bad guys out. I think the problem is that I think you let slip that they were revenants like before and so like right from the start like so i I don't know when that was actually revealed because like you had already told me that okay all right now so thanks dave okay yeah you're welcome all right so the other question for me surrounds the guy in the bar that she meets and is also at the revenant meeting at the end and and i think you already mentioned doc holiday and i think that seems to be conventional wisdom for a number of reasons, the the least of which how much knowledge he has about Wyatt Earp, the gun, you know, notices the Well, and the fact that the the other revenants are like, you you gotta stay out of this. You know, like they don't accept him. Well, yeah, and we'll get to that at the end because he's not a revenant, or is he? Well, we'll we'll talk about that when we get well, he, there. He is, isn't he? Well, I don't know. He says he's I forget his exact words. I've got it in my notes here sometime. Says he's the only one of his kind. Yeah. So I would say he's not a revenant because there's 77 of those. So what is I, he? I don't know. Yeah. Guy's supposed to have died tuberculosis a long time ago. Well, he was only mostly dead. He's mostly dead. Oh, man, he just beat me to it. All right. So opening scene, Winona's on a bus on her way home for her uncle's funeral and befriended by another young woman. The bus gets a flat. The other girls had too much coffee, bathrooms occupied. We know where this is headed when she says she's going to introduce, uh, I don't know, whatever coffee brand, to the Badlands. You know no good is going to come of it. And, and we can see it 
in Winona right away that that she instinctively knows something's more wrong than simply a girl going out you know, by herself in the right. dark. But it really is a kind of cautionary tale about urinating in public as well. Well, that's true. All right, what do you think about Winona's outfit? Because I know we're a little ambivalent about <laughs> badass girls black wearing jacket, black, right? <laughs> Bla- uh, yeah, she's all in black, right? Yeah. So yeah, she looked she looked tough. Yeah, man. she looked cool. And I I assume will this will be her look the rest of the way, which I really like contrasted against her sister, who's sort of like this artsy, stylish, nouveau punkish kind of you know style that that is totally opposite of her sister. Yet right. she seems like she's going to be pretty badass herself. She seems like it. All right, so. They get off the bus. We hear some kind of animal that freaks out the driver right away and the other passengers. And he wants to drive away, just leave them. Which he does. Well, which he does, asshole. Yeah, how freaking callous is that, man? Like you got two people get off the bus in a place you're scared to get off and you just say, all right, we're rolling out. Right. Good luck. Right. But then once Winona gets out there and, and right away finds Kirsten's body lying there, she she's you know, what do you want from me? And, and, and it's clear she seems to have some sort of connection or knowledge of whoever or whatever is out there attacking people. Sure. Yeah. You know, for a minute there, I thought Kirsten might be like the plucky sidekick, you know, like kind of like a la Lost Girl where she meets her uh, her sidekick like in the very first scene. Uh, but no. Yeah. Visually, I really loved what the director did because, you know, he's got the night scene, but really takes advantage of it. You know, this monochrome look. Winona finds the girl dead. And then, you know, we see that humanoid creature with the glowing eyes. And then, you know, that that screaming, what do you want from me? And it's that feeling I got that it's all about her, and she realizes that. I mean, obviously, at this point, we don't know that, but we certainly come to find out. Sure. Well, you know, we figure she's the main character kind of early, so. Well, well, you know what? And I only noticed this, to be honest, on the third time I saw this episode, what kicks her into beast mode? Is the, the birth, the, the, her, the, yeah. Because it's midnight of her birthday. Exactly. Right? And she gets, a, I guess it's a, uh, not a text message, a, you know, an alert on her phone. Yeah. How pathetic is a person who has to have an alert on her phone for midnight of her own birthday? Like, that's just, that makes me sad. I know. I know. <laughs> well, and, and look, this character, I mean, she goes home for her uncle's funeral. And what does she hear from virtually everybody she runs into? What are you doing here? Yeah. Why did you come back? Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. Although her sister greets her with a couple shotgun blasts, but right, uh, right, that's probably the not the least friendly greeting of, of of them all. Right, but she gets that alert, and then suddenly she's kicking, leaping, flipping, and then drives that stake through the eye of the uh, what we come to learn as a revenant. But it doesn't seem to deter it much, and I guess we're led to believe that it's going to be the gun that will get rid of them, not necessarily a stake or two through the yeah. eyes. Well, we don't know that yet. We don't know that yet. Right. Yeah. Obviously these are not, you can't dispatch of these baddies by what is traditional bay dispatching methods. Right. Although you do see them that are, or you, like they'd be the crack or something. Yeah. Right? You see that crack start, but apparently the stakes not enough. So, she begins the long walk home, daylight's arriving, and she enters the town of Purgatory for her uncle's funeral. I love the name of the town. It's subtle, I thought, though. Yeah, well, we already mentioned that nobody seems happy to see her, but then we learn quickly, and she seems to really get right to that point. How did my uncle die? She wants yeah, to was know. Was he intact? Well, sure. yeah, eventually she asks that. But clearly she... Th- That's the first thing she asks. Yeah. Well, of, of her, right. Of her aunt. Of aunt, yeah. Uh, Gus, right? Right. Figures out right away he died under mysterious circumstances, the same circumstances that killed the girl on the bus earlier in the episode. All right. So we're introduced to U.S. Marshal Agent Dahl's Black Badge Division. What'd you think of him? Yeah, he was cool. He's probably my favorite character. Yeah, me too. I really... Look, I mean, do I 
think of him as sort of a junior, more current Fox Mulder. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and I like it. I, I just think he's yeah. great. Yeah, he may yeah. be my favorite character as well at this he point. He was just really cool because he, he doesn't let on what he knows just right at first, you know. Like he's given Winona a chance to be forthcoming, and she's obviously not going to be. And he eventually has to tell her what's what he knows, but uh, he's very cagey about it. Well, yeah, but I also like when he's talking to the sheriff – you know, he's investigating this case. Uh, apparently, there have been three dead girls in the last six months, all under these similar mysterious circumstances. And the sheriff says, well, what do I tell the locals happened? Coyote attack, anything but the truth. Yeah. So right away, and, and I don't know that the sheriff really connects what Dolls is telling him. And, of course, we don't really know what the locals really believe. I mean, do they really believe in the Earp family curse? Well, apparently quite a few of them do. I guess. I guess. I mean, her aunt, though, does she just seem to want to ignore it? Is that, I, is that what that's? Yeah I, kind of, yeah, I think she's kind of like, yeah. Right, because she has to know that the, the body they buried, assuming they buried yeah. her uncle's body, was in two parts, right. at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounded like more than two, right? Yeah. All right. Now, Winona's walking in a location that I swear was used in Lost Girl. And I tried to figure out which episode it was in. And I thought maybe it was the episode uh, in, in which, I think it's in season four, maybe episode two, where where Bo is getting on the train. You know, that, that, oh, yeah. that, that, but I don't think that was it. So if anybody knows what episode it was in, because I swear I've seen that scene before. Yeah. Well, it, it kind of it, it remind me of, <clears throat> the uh that doctor who episode the uh, a town called mercy yeah true you know so i mean i i, I wasn't thinking that but I just i don't it just had that same vibe you know okay. well she's heading to shorty's bar and the bartender's really the first friendly face she's seen and she has no trouble telling him what happened and he does not seem surprised at all uh, perhaps a little worried but not surprised but 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 yeah i mean well, at the time, I I didn't like really think of anything that the guy was just like a bartender, bartender, you know. But you should know because in the westerns, the bartender always has got like also like you know the mayor or the you know the um the you know runs the gambling house or the pig farmer, you know, like he's always involved in like the whole shebang. Right, and in the bar, and we assume this is why she came there. Yeah, there's a couple young guys that are roughly her age that approach her. She, you know, brushes off the first one. And, yeah, because he's an ass. Yeah, and as if the second one's not. But right, right. But hey, he does have the room above the bar. I know. I'm just like, dude. At least pretend to look at her face. Like, you know, he just stares at her chest the whole time. Well, and she plays it for all it's worth. Gets him up sure. there, uh, rips his shirt off, and then pulls out the knife. And I'm thinking, like, ah. I like where this is headed. Straddles him, and we find out that her uncle's- Still really Freudian. Though. Yeah, I understand. But we find out that her uncle's head was torn clean off, and she wants him to take her back to the scene, and because he brings up the fact that it took place on the Earp homestead, which apparently is significant, all of a sudden, the door bursts open, and a pissed-off girl with a shotgun comes in, fires twice, worst birthday ever- and we realize it's her younger sister, and they have a very jubilant reunion, which was yeah, yeah, that may be my favorite scene in the whole episode. That was pretty good, I gotta admit. Yeah. All right. So it's here we learn that there's also a group of guys that are trying to get Wyatt Earp's revolver. And you know, you mentioned about the revenants. I think the only ones that that we get a name for are Malcolm, the guy with the eye patch, and then Carl, who shoots his mouth off at the bar a little too much and he says if you can't hold your tongue i will do you like that scene uh, no <laughs> <laughs> but i thought i'm like dude uh, i'm no doctor but i think it would take a little bit more to rip a tongue out of a person's head than just like kind of like it looked like it was like a loose tooth you know well right but what i thought first is that okay ripping somebody's tongue out by the root 
ought to hurt a lot more, but then right. they're revenants. Yeah. So maybe that's why it came out so easily. Maybe that's sure, why well, it didn't scream. Totally why it yeah, came, yeah. came out so easily, but yeah. it's still disgusting, you know? All right. So the sisters haven't seen each other in three years, but she says that she got an email from her uncle that says they've caught up with me I, again. You know, all of these these little pieces of information that, that were given along the way start to make sense. And by the, by the end of the episode, see, I think for a pilot, a lot of times pilot episodes can get bogged down in exposition. And I think right. this one did a really good job of giving us everything we needed to know. And they gave us a lot without interfering with really an enjoyable action packed episode. I would have to, I, I got no disagreement with that. Well, it sounds like you're starting to like this more than you you did when I talked to you a few days ago. Uh, yeah, maybe, but okay. that's I reserve the right to do that. Okay. All right. You know, well, like we've, we've that's happened more than once when we ended up talking about a show. We realized through talking about it that we liked it more than we did we thought we did when we watched it the first time. So okay. Well, you know, we're introduced to her younger sister Waverly, who's got the shotgun, is not afraid to use it to protect her turf uh, because she thinks that some other girls messing around with her boy, but which is, you know, that's exactly kind of what was happening. Yeah. Well, yeah, sure. But then like from his point of view, right? Like he wasn't there to, yeah. Right. But when you look at the two sisters, I I thought it was really interesting. We've already talked about the differences in how they look and how they dress. And, And granted Waverly's not afraid to use a shotgun, but she's, really ramped up that you know we could fight this thing together this curse and then of course winona denies the curse which i guess she's denying because she doesn't want her sister involved because we know she believes in it we saw her out in the woods but also i think she wasn't was she raised by gus right i assume so yeah so we can only assume that gus has kind of passed on this kind of denial of the whole thing yeah, I, I assume so. Yeah. Okay. Um, because you're right. I mean, like, they've totally, she's been, and this is, I mean, how much was this like the pilot for Supernatural? Oh, a lot. Right? Yeah. You know, it's it's that whole thing where, you know, you got the one brother who's been out in the muck for a long time and the other one who's been kind of protected from it and isolated from all the nastiness. And, you know, it's like the, the, the one who's been out there, his job is like to say, hey, listen, here's what it's really like. Let's go get it. Well, right, right, right. Because neither brother is ignorant of what is really out there. It's just that right. the, the one, and I the, forget the one's whether been it's trying, Dean or- I have a different life that I'm not dealing with, you know. And like Waverly hasn't been necessarily actively avoiding it, but. She kind of has been. Well, I think right? yeah, I think she's embracing it. I mean, when you look at her little, I always call well, it a murder wall from Castle, but right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Good point. So I, I think she's embracing it. She's just been reluctant to let anybody know that that's what she's doing because they probably think she's crazy, which is what apparently right. happened with Winona. That yes, they. Thought she was crazy. And, and yes. I think and the reality is, do think. you know, you already mentioned it seems like a lot of the townspeople do accept and acknowledge that the curse is real. But it's, it's almost that if you say it out loud, it sounds crazy. So we know it's true. You're saying it's true, but we're going to get rid of you because if we get rid of you, then maybe it'll go away. All right. So Agent Dolls shows up. And he's investigating the case, confronts Winona about what she knows. And here's where we start to learn these things about turning 27 is somehow significant. She returns to the family home. All right. So, okay. so, we, so we know that her sister Willa was killed by a revenant. You know, we saw that in flashbacks. And now Winona is, is the heir to the ERP curse, I guess, if you will but certainly the one that's that's able to take out and take down the revenants. Right. Well, I, I don't think there's any one person is, I mean, I think they all are heirs, right? Like when Waverly turns 27, the same thing will happen to her. It, exactly. But yeah, that's a good question. Uh, what happens if she turns 27 and Winona's still alive? So, well, we don't yeah. know that. Well, that's, that's uh, many seasons down the road. Um, I would just assume like, well, you know, because, 
so much of the wider story is tied up with he and his brothers fighting crime together uh, and sticking together. So, you know, you just kind of assume that, that, you know, obviously, I mean, that's where this is going, that you know, the two sisters, like the Earp boys, uh, are, you know, joined together to fight the baddies. Okay. But in these flashbacks, we, we learn the basic premise of the show is that the revenants of the 77 people that Wyatt Earp killed have surfaced seeking revenge, and the only thing that will kill them is Wyatt Earp's gun, and apparently it's got to be wielded by... Peacemaker. Exactly, what a great name. Uh, <laughs> and it's got to be wielded by the Earp heir. It's happening again, right? And we certainly find out that Willow was the heir, but now only Winona can use it. And those were some great scenes as she's trying to fire the gun, get acquainted with the gun, and she's a terrible shot. But it's yeah. almost, and, and certainly in that one one scene, it's almost as if one bad shot ends up being an amazing yeah. shot because of all the ricochets. Right, which it, it almost seems like she was like counting on that kind of. I, I don't know. Yeah. Now, because she certainly looked more confident, like like I am doing exactly what I want to do. You know. Right now, now the other thing I liked in the flashbacks was how they built up the progression so in other words we see her shoot somebody but we're not sure who she shoots yet and then later we learn that it's actually her father do we i i feel like i do that when it happened okay yeah because they because that that wasn't the first time we saw a flashback no i know right but i thought the first time and i could maybe you're right i just thought the first time we weren't sure who she shot but then later we learned it was her father and Oh, okay, I got gotcha. Of course, she blames herself, but as Waverly tells her, I know you were trying to save our father. You just missed. Yeah. And who could blame her if she was a young child? Right. All right, well, then we, you know, the, the aunt, apparently there's no love lost between uh, the aunt and Winona, gives her money, tells her you're as broken as they come, which again is is a great line. And, and obviously that's, that's what we're supposed to. Though, well, yeah, but I think we're certainly supposed to see that out of the character. And I love that kind of character. I mean, certainly that was the kind of character that, that Bo was as the show sure. opened. Well, again, like we talked about the supernatural resemblance, but also I've already mentioned this, like, Tons of resemblance to the pilot for Lost Girl. Sure, you know, and the the, the number of similarities between Bo and Winona is multifarious, numerous, voluminous. That's the word I'm looking for. It's not that far from Dark Angel and, and the character of Max Guevara, and and it's just these characters are so compelling. You know th- right. these. Well, but it's 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 like any like genre show is going to have. As I'm sure you're going, so maybe I'll just <laughs> you know like the, the loner who comes in and like there's this weird stuff going on, and the only person who can really grasp it and understand it is this kind of outsider type character. Well, right, but it's also I mean you know there's there's being a loner and then there's being broken, and I guess you could argue that the reason a person becomes a loner is because they're broken, but but certainly we know that Bo is... Easy, Dave. It, the Bo, introverts of the world like really resent that statement. Me being a card-carrying member of the introverts of the world, by the way. I'm going to let that one go. <laughs> um, I mean, we see that out of Bo, who's coming to grips with the fact that she killed people. She certainly didn't intend to kill them. She didn't sure. really understand what was happening. Obviously, with Max and and you know her role at manticore and then escaping and trying to just stay under the radar i mean she's certainly done things that she regrets and and feels guilty for people dying and and certainly we even see that as the show progresses so yeah i i really like that premise it'll be interesting to see how they handle it and, and hopefully it won't just become you know lost girl part deux Especially Lost Girl season five, hopefully it won't be. Yeah. All right. So, uh, <laughs> ouch. Dolls right. follows her to the well where she's had the gun hidden and surprise, I guess, wants her to join his team investigating unexplained cases. And we already got a little bit of background on her 
and the law when she was at the bar and she goes through the litany of, of cases that are still open that relate to her. And, and none of them sound too serious, but no, clearly she's just been breaking the law, breaking the law. Right. But wants her to join his team. And he admits to her that there are demons making him the first person to believe her. And of course, when she shoots the gun, she's a terrible shot, as I said, which, yeah. which is, uh, not what I expected, but having seen it, I love that they did that. All right. Now, we talked about the asshole bus driver that leaves the, the two girls out in the yes. Badlands. Sheriff Nedley, I, I don't know how much yeah. we're going to see him. I suspect probably a fair amount. He, I guess he's going to become Winona's nemesis while she's in purgatory, but he doesn't seem to be that good a sheriff and probably not going to produce a, a very formidable opponent. Yeah, he really needs to stick to internet porn and the certainty of dying alone. Yeah. Uh, why'd you even come back? Haven't the people you love suffered enough? All right. Uh, well, at, at, No, they haven't. And at, That's the point. Then she goes to her sister's room and starts snooping around, finds that elaborate board on the wall, and then Waverly comes out. I told you, I'm ready to help. And, you know, the, the contrast between the sisters is really – uh, starting to build. I think it really comes out in this scene because, you know, she's got that artsy, stylish uh, way of wearing clothes. She's got the racks of clothes in the background, clothes all over the place. Whereas we get the idea that Winona's probably got three pair of jeans, all of them black. I don't think she had a bag at all with her when she was on the bus, right? And not that we saw. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess she could put one underneath. Right. But, but she rolled up to the, the funeral. Right. Did she have any kind of bag? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. So she literally, uh, did she did she, cha- did, did she ever change her clothes? Oh, yeah, she did change her clothes, right? Okay. Uh, I don't know. You, you don't know. know. Remember when she changed her top, Dave? Come on, man. You remember that? Um, all right. Well, anyway, Waverly wants- She was like, she was like in, in the car. Oh, right, I right. Guess, I guess I'm going no. too much into no, this, no. but I'm just saying, that's a fairly memorable scene. It was. <laughs> All right, so Waverly wants to fight the curse. Winona wants to avoid it, or so it seems. And apparently, this is the only way to break the ERP curse. Waverly's researched, ready to help. And, you know, we're still fumbling around for what the significance is of Winona turning 27. And, of course, it's when the Earp air turns 27, that's when the Revenants resurrect. So we assume, in the meantime, they're in the Earth, I guess, right. buried. Yeah. All right, well, we find out that the Revenants blend in, can't be distinguished from the living, trapped in purgatory, literally and figuratively, I guess, yep. and they've grouped together. The guy in the bar who, I, I, again, I... I I think we've both said we try to stay away from IMDb. We pretty much know it's Doc Holliday. And how is he alive? I think we've established he's not a revenant. So how is he alive? I, you No, we, we did not establish okay, that. I you did. said that. And then I challenged it. Okay. I mean, because he says, I, it, I thought he's a revenant. He said, I, I was killed by Wyatt Earp. Well, he also says he's the only one of his kind. Right. So what does that mean? The guy killed by Wyatt Earp doesn't want to kill all his descendants? I don't, yeah. I don't know. He was, but I, I, I'm not saying he is a revenant for sure. Um, and he might just be like a, kind of like a spy in the revenant camp. You know, but but he's, he's there with the other revenants. Well, they don't seem to want him there, though. Well, they, right. They don't want him there. But they even they kind of admit that he is like them in some way, but he can't be part of their group. It's it's basically my whole middle school years being relived here. But, you know, so, I, I mean, what I thought was that somehow Doc Holliday was a revenant, and but obviously spurned by the other revenants because Doc Holliday probably helped kill some of them. Okay. I I don't know, but I mean that's the thing that makes it for good for a pilot is this what's going on, you know, like not knowing stuff. Yeah, right. And this is a pretty key detail because we assume 
White Earp, Doc Holliday were friends. That's my understanding. They were. They, 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 they did fall out like later in life, though. Okay. But what seems to be at the crux of Winona's problem with the family name is her great-great-grandfather. He was good at killing, so they called him a hero. And I guess that's... I guess there's a lot of truth to that. Now, you already mentioned in Project X about the gunfight at the OK Corral. And Doc Holliday tells her, well, really, a lot of people don't know why it wanted to be a farmer. And then in that 30 seconds at the OK Corral, things changed in that line. Sometimes life chooses for us. You know, I, I think so important because I th- this is what's yeah. happening with her. She doesn't want to f- do this, but... She's been chosen. Yeah, right now I, I got that scene from Tombstone rolling in my head from the gunfight. Just like giving me chills, man. I think I have to rent that this weekend. All right, nice. All right, well, <laughs> she returns home, finds her aunt dying, although I think later we learn that the aunt's recovering. Yeah, she, she, right. she was just mostly dead. Right, but uh, tells her that they took Waverly, want to meet tomorrow at noon, and then we see painted on the window, I assume it's blood, bring the yeah. gun. Yeah. All right. And what time they want to meet? Yeah. Noon. Noon, baby. Yep. High noon. All right. So she finds Agent Classic, Dolls. Right? You're sp- yeah, high noon. You're sp- Gary Cooper, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You saw it, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. 310 to Yuma? All right. So, did, you, did you see 310 to I Yuma? Have. Oh, I have. Okay. I've seen, you know, I've seen most Westerns. I, I, yeah. I, I Westerns enjoy them. Westerns are pretty awesome. Yeah. All right. She finds Agent <laughs> Dolls. You're supposed to be following me. Tells her he knows who took her sister officially coyotes unofficially demons and she's shocked that he acknowledges what she knows to be true right she knows where they took her sister borrows a bike to get there i I like that you know give me your fastest horse and we expect her the first time well because he's like the the black beauty right you know out out in the in the um i can't remember the word I, i think he uses stable actually yeah, you, know, you figure she's gonna come out on a horse, but no, it's a motorcycle. Right. So, so she, that was su- that was super cool. I have to. Admit. So she gets out to, I guess that's their homestead, and finds Waverly standing on a chair, noose around her neck, got a name, Revenant, and and this is where uh, you know we find out his name's Malcolm. It took him fourteen minutes to die, and since Winona, the heirs turned twenty seven, they've all resurrected, and here we are. Right. All right. So she puts the gun on the motorcycle, says, hey, take the gun, take the bike. I don't want any trouble. Walks away. Just release my sisters. You know, one of the guys goes over to the bike. How do you start this thing? <laughs> she pulls a remote from her pocket like this. Bike explodes, sending the peacemaker yeah. into the air. Probably my second favorite scene after the shotgun I, scene. That was my least favorite really? scene. Really? Oh, because- I love that one. You know why? Because that bike was awesome, and she just blew it up. It was terrible. He's got more. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. No, I didn't mean that. It was cool, I, I got to admit. But I just remember, even if I'm watching, I'm like, oh, she blew up the bike? Are you freaking kidding me? Is there nowhere else she could have put the bomb? Seriously? Eh, good point. But probably not. Probably not. But it's still, man... All right, well, this scene, which I really enjoyed, continues. Malcolm's after her while Waverly's still hanging. I'm going to put you in the ground like it's my job. And and, and we're thinking, like, can right. she hit him? Because we've already seen that she's a terrible shot. Sure. You may have the one gun that can put me back in hell, but I'm going to take your baby sister with me. No one shoots my family but me. I'm thinking, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that's coming to terms with what you did and, and, right, and what's right. made. I think she was just yeah referring back to that. Yeah. Okay, so she shoots at that block and tackle that's holding the rope on Waverly, and of course she hits it. I'm not sure she was aiming at it. I guess she was aiming at the rope, which is sort of odd that she thinks she could hit the rope. But it ricochets, hits a blade. But, that, but that's like, that's that's the whole, you know, that's that, that Western cliche. Like Clint Eastwood, the beginning of the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Yeah, but that's Clint Eastwood. I know, but I'm just saying it's this this complete cliche from westerns that someone's hanging and and that you shoot the rope and they go down and like Cat Baloo. No, Cat Baloo was a knife. My bad. But yeah, you know, we just see that like loads of times. Well, 
I liked it anyway, as yeah. a cliche, because then it ricochets off the windmill. Well, there's, there's, there's comfort in cliches. Uh, there right? is. And then <laughs> it knocks the gun out of Malcolm's hand just before she shoots him, sending him back to hell. And we, and we get that great visual of him turning to an ember and then kind of melting into the ground. Uh, an image I suspect we're going to see a few more times before this yeah. show is over. All right. So Dolls arrives, drives the sisters away. What happened to Wyatt Earp to make us deserve this, asks Waverly. And that's a good question. And and that's so question. does it come back to the fact that he did shoot Doc Holliday? Is that Maybe. part of this mystery? And like you said, that's you know, as a pilot, they certainly give us enough questions. Yeah. Like, especially that way, I thought, well, there's a good, like, kind of recurring question. You, again, it's it's not something you're going to see in every episode, but it's something that's always going to kind of be in the background. And every so many episodes, we're going to get a little bit of information to find out what happened. Yeah. And depending on how long the show lasts, they can get to a point where all of a sudden they're like, okay, we're going to have to really answer this question. And then we have to move on from there, at which point the show might be okay. have to reinvent itself a little bit. Okay. Well, I already said my my favorite scene is the shotgun scene, then the ricochet scene. Dalzer returns in civvies, and he tells Winona he's going to make all her charges go away if she joins his team. This is blackmail, you dick. Her mission, identify and eradicate Wyatt Earp's kills. So... I mean, this is Agent Mulder. I love it. And in in a way, he's way cooler than Mulder, and I can't even believe I'm saying that. That that that's, that's shocking that you just said that. But he is super cool, though. Yeah. Like, there's no question about it. He's, like, crazy cool. That's why, like, again, favorite character. But, uh, you know, it's, it's also, and, you know, you just watched the pilot of Supernatural, but it's uh, Uncle Billy in Supernatural is actually still he still recurs despite being dead um you know was kind of like that guy who found jobs for the boys you know and said okay go get this person or go get this case and everything like that so so i I think it's it's a a thing in you know genre shows that we see quite often yeah um but you know it's effective here sure well yeah i would say you know there there are some You mentioned before that I wasn't crazy about this show. And part of it, I think, is because I saw a lot of just mashing up of things from other shows, you know? Okay. Like, um, and so lots of like, oh, that's so Lost Girl. And that's just like Supernatural. And that's just like Buffy. And just like, it seems like, but again, it's a pilot though, right? Right. And I've gone on record before saying you have to be very forgiving with the pilot uh, shows take time to develop. They're not going to knock it out of the park right away. And so I think there's enough here for them to really, enough material that they can really work with it. But I think the pilot itself was too, you know, too much of a mashup, I guess. Okay. I, mean, I, I can see that. Too, I just I saw too much stuff from like other shows and everything. They're still good. I enjoy it. I, like, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very entertaining. Um, but, uh, I, you know, it, it, was, it was imperfect, and, and that's almost, I'd say, to be expected of a pilot. Well, uh, I guess the key question is, are you going to watch episode two? I don't know, dude. Okay, well, I'm definitely going <laughs> I to. just got so much. I know, I know. <laughs> There's so much stuff. Like, I just can't, I just, oh, I just can't take about another show at this point. Yeah. But, like, but, but talking about it, I'm like, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in this show, you know? And the, and certainly that whole tie-in with, like, Wyatt Earp, who, like, you you might hate violence, but still think, like, Wyatt Earp is, like, this very, very compelling character from American history. Yeah, you know? sure. Like, you can't deny that. And, and whether it's just all BS and it's all legend and, and it's just crap that this guy put in a biography about him in the 1930s, which is probably pretty much it but still even that legend of him is just super cool and tombstone is awesome <laughs> you know it's just like one of the best movies i've ever seen by that i mean coolest movies i've ever seen you know and you know just the whole aura of wyatt earp just is almost like transcendent so when you throw him in there and he's just like kind of figure in the background the whole time you know it's it's pretty compelling and pretty cool. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I, I know it's it it's unusual. You know, this you know you used the the phrase mashup, but but this this blending of the Wild West with a contemporary story or a contemporary setting because that could never work, you know. Next thing you know, right. you're going to tell me there's a show about the the Wild West in space yeah, or something. I know, right? like that. That's ridiculous. So, uh, well, I'll let you know. I'll keep you posted because I plan to at least watch the second episode and see where we're going from there. But uh, okay, I liked it. Uh, you know, I mean, for me, I, I give it a solid B, maybe even getting close to a B plus. So, uh, this is where, like, okay, so I'm, I'm Buck Showalter, and I'm looking at this kid, and uh, you know. He's got a pretty good arm, you know. He can throw. He can throw. He can bring the heat, but he doesn't really have a curveball. Doesn't have a splitter, you know. I feel like this kid just needs to go down to the minors and work on some of this stuff. But uh, I think he's got the basic, the basic stuff there to be a star. It just needs a little bit of work. So send him down to AAA for a while, see what happens, and. Uh, We'll see, like maybe mid-season call-up. Well, I hope so. I mean, I think Sci-Fi's track record of late has been pretty good. Yeah, Sci-Fi's been great. Yeah. You know, um, and you uh, put out that list on the on uh, Facebook of like like all the genre shows, and you start looking through it and seeing like all these shows that really didn't put up good numbers, like Killjoys and Dark Matter, for example, right? right. Uh, I mean, but they, they got renewed still. Right. I mean, they did okay for sci-fi, but not nothing right. great. Exactly, nothing great. Um, and like a lot of the shows in the CW that they refer to as hit shows, but still really don't have like awesome numbers, but still good for CW, right? Yeah, sure. And they get renewed. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. manages to stay alive, right? Despite not spectacular numbers. So yeah, you're right. I mean, sci-fi has been pretty committed to its shows as of late did they have no fox had the sarah connor chronicles right right? someone needs to bring that show back dude yeah just straight up yeah maybe if they kill off cersei uh, lena heady's character yeah Yeah. if they if if she gets uh killed off on game of thrones maybe they can bring it back because i don't know if thomas decker is really it could even be now it could be you know like John Connor's now thirty or something. Yeah, that show was so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else about Winona Earp? No, just like why not end up a Winona Earp talking about the Sarah Connor Chronicles? Yeah. So, but because then the um, next logical step is Summer Glau, right? The first lady of sci-fi. Okay. Well, why, why, why don't we end it there? <laughs> But uh, but no, like like I said, overall I think it's you know not not a perfect show, but has a lot going for it, you know a lot going for it, and you know I, I just don't know I just can't really take on another show right now. But you know when maybe if uh, Netflix picks it up over the summer, I'll I'll go binge it and uh, come back with a different. Or if you tell me it's like super awesome, yep, I don't I'll know. keep you posted. There's just so many shows right now, Dave yep. that. The, the DVR is it's it's a, it's a struggle to to keep up with the DVR. So all right, well we'll we'll leave it there. So all right, all right. well we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Love to hear from you about Dark Angel, Winona Earp, or anything else you think we should be watching. Like to encourage you to join the Facebook group, and if you're already a member, spread the word. Yeah, let us know what you thought of Winona Earp. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the Speak Pipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week when we return to James Cameron's Dark Angel at Season 2, Episode 18, titled Dog Day Afternoon. But till then. You know, it's funny. I was out the other night and I looked around and I said, oh, my God, either I'm sucking chins out of the back of Willie Nelson's tour bus or Winona Earp just walked into my bar.